what you are about to see is real. Two women of privilege, their views shaped by their divergent backgrounds. A white woman from an evangelical Midwest military household and a multiracial philosopher from a wealthy Southern California family. They are attempting to do something unimaginable in today's society. They are going to talk to each other like human beings. This is Privilege with Purpose. Co-hosts Dava Mills and Alina Francis openly discuss topics that are normally only whispered about behind closed doors as they try to illuminate context and break down power struggles. Welcome to The Conversation. On this episode of Privilege with Purpose... Sex zombie. Are you a sex zombie? Well, a sex zombie actually comes from the clinical term of dead bedroom. You are not speaking the truth. When you can start speaking the truth and not yelling at each other, pointing the fingers, sometimes it's about the person who's not in the mood, allowing themselves the opportunity to sit with their partner and have their partner put them in the mood. So don't tell me your marriage broke up because of COVID. No. How can you shift right. the situation versus let's fix it? Because ultimately in the fix it attitude, right. there is, there's going to be I'm right, you're wrong. The conversation starts now. So, Dave, give us a definition of a sex zombie. Well, a sex zombie actually comes from the clinical term of dead bedroom. And a dead bedroom is defined as two people in a relationship that have sex 10 or less times a year. So usually in these situations, you have a high libido person and a low libido person or a higher and a lower um, in these situations, the higher becomes all consumed with trying to find the opportunity to have sex with the person who is the lower libido. And that's, that's the basis for the direction the conversation today is going. So I know you did a lot of research. I did. And just, just for clarity, before we get here, you guys, I'm terrified on this one. Very personal subject, but it's a subject that needs to be opened up and it needs to have a face to it. So you go ahead, hit me with your research. So I want to give our audience out there, what are the signs of a sexless marriage slash relationship? Okay. So according to Melinda Fox, if you are in a sexless marriage slash relationship, you're not talking about sex. You're withholding sex as a punishment. You watch pornography, which we'll get more into that. Mm -hmm. You don't feel attractive. You only have sex on special occasions. Okay, I'm going to call bullshit on all that, and we'll get there in a minute, or we can start right now. But the or first... you don't have privacy. Well, again, I'm calling bullshit on all of that. Number okay. one, sexless marriages, people talk about it constantly. And they have a partner that is like, well, I'll do better. I'll do this. I'll do that. And nothing comes through. So no, a lot of sexless marriages have constant communication around the subject. Lack of privacy, again, bullshit. People have 20 okay. kids. So, they pop oh, them out. Okay. So, okay. 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 <laughs> now, in regards to you saying it's bullshit, a, con a conversation. Yeah. Okay. I disagree with you. You know why? Why? 
people say they're talking about sex and sometimes if the other partner mm -hmm. is not having a say or putting their input in it, right. then you're not having a conversation about it. It's more of a complaint. That's how it's showing up, but it's not even though it's not that, right? And it's more of, are you really talking about it? Because if you're doing surface stuff, yeah, but, you're not talking about no, it. No, that's not true because my experience was very much... I'd like to have sex, let's have sex. And I was being told by him, it's just sex. Right. So no, there was the conversation. There was what I would like. I would like cuddling. I don't want to do cuddling. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Right. right. So no. And what I'm seeing with people online, there are a lot of women that are trying to figure out what their husbands want and then in the moment they try to do it and they're put off. And just so you guys know, men make the same excuses that women do, which is really interesting because Hollywood has this whole idea that men are horny and women put them off. It's not true. And then you go to relationship counselors and they turn it into, well, the man has to do more housework and they call it chore play in the dead bedroom community. Chore play is it's just a way to move the bar so the person who doesn't want to have sex can right. come up with another reason to not have sex. So now we're going to go to the Huff Post mm -hmm. by Kelsey Bronson. She's saying what's what are the tall signs of being in a sexless marriage slash relationship? I'm intentionally making that distinction because it's not about all. It's not always about marriage, especially if you're not right. married, but right. you are yeah, you've been together for a while. Yeah. You start to feel more like roommates mm -hmm. than intimate partners. Mm -hmm. Lack of communication. Mm -hmm. There we go again. You're giving all your time and energy to the kids or work. So okay. there's no pri prioritizing us. Right. Right. Avoiding watching romantic, I thought this was really interesting. I think this is lame. But anyways, avoiding watching romantic or erotic scenes on TV or in movies together. Actually, it's more like you feel really uncomfortable and sad. Right? Mm -hmm. You start, you stop flirting with each other. Oh, yeah. Partner makes fun of you and your sex drive. So now you're being, now you're being what? Shamed? Shame is a big part of it, but I don't know that I've seen that as much, but there's people out there that I would have been say shamed. that's probably more women are shaming men versus men are shaming women over it in a humorous oh, way. I, I would know. say that's it's more that way. We'll talk a little bit about okay. you. There was some shaming. But not in a humorous way. No, in a very derogatory right. way. Um, you rarely touch each other anymore mm -hmm. inside or outside the bedroom. Right. Stay up late to avoid not tonight conversation. Mm-hmm. Jam pack your schedule, which goes to what I previously say. Right. Leaving no time for the other person. Unrealistic expectations about what sex should look like. That that's would be, really interesting. That's a really interesting what one. What it should look like. So I would. I want to talk about that last bullet point. Yes. So I want to give a little context to everybody out there. The first thing you have to understand is I came from a decade-long sexless marriage. As a high libido person, I'm going to tell you there is a physical pain absolutely associated with not having your physical needs met. 
So read that last point again for me. Unrealistic expectations about what sex should look like. Right. And this is where a lot of the conflict starts happening because high libido people, what they start doing is they start lowering the bar of their expectations to try and find some level of middle ground. Right. Literally. So for me at the end, there was no, what they call PIV, penis and vagina. It was like, can I just get some cuddling? And that wasn't happening. It was too uncomfortable. You're too hot. There's too this, do this. So it got to the point to where, okay, I'm lowering the bar so far. I literally stopped giving him a kiss. Like, you know, when you come in, leave that kind of a thing. Two times in six months did he initiate. And for the rest of those hundred, what, 178 days, right? There was no kiss. So it's hard because you look at that and it's like, I think a lot of people literally are trying to try and find this middle ground. Right. But I can tell you that second list, way more realistic about what's going through people's heads on the communities that I've read that are dealing with this than that first list. Right. Way more realistic. So now I know you've had your own experiences, not... Okay. quite dead bedroom, right? It wasn't quite dead bedroom. But this is where I came into a realization when I was married. Right. I am not sexually compatible with my husband. Right. And I was like, wow, I kept reviewing in my head. I've had mind blowing sex, but I'm not having it with my husband. Mm-mm. So when it would come to it, I would just be like, wait, fuck. okay, here we go. Right. It's just like, and, I've, and, 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 and you're not supposed to compare, right? You're not supposed to do that. However, it was like, I should be having this and I'm not. Right. Well, maybe over time it'll work its way out. Okay, people out there, it, it never does work its way out. Do not, that's denial. No. It never does unless you go for professional help. Right. And then you really start talking about what's going on. And I want to explore a, the possibilities, right? Uh, yeah. And I want to make a really clear distinction on professional help. If you're having a sexual incompatibility in your relationship, and I did not know this in my marriage. So I'm putting that out there. Do not seek the advice of a marriage counselor. Seek the advice of someone who's been certified by the AACE, um, I mean, A-A-S-E-C-T. That's the American Association of of Sexual Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Very important because they look at sex from a different dynamic. Um, Most marriage counselors are going to encourage you to do something through the five love languages. They're going to encourage chore play. Um, But when you get into a sexual counselor situation, there's a lot of nuances to sexual counseling that aren't fixed through marriage counseling because it's not really the marriage part that's being fixed. It's the sexual compatibility piece. So my issue with that was when I would say, hey, I would like you to do this. Instead of him doing that, I was being told, well, no other woman's complained about me doing that before. They always liked it. Shit. And uh, okay, news flash to guys. And you know what? It's mm-hmm. not just guys, right? Women too. If you're gonna fucking lie, you're lying, <laughs> right? And, and you're not telling the truth. So this goes into the communication, right? Are you really communicating? Because I'm gonna assert that a lot of people say that they're communicating with their husbands or wives, and right. they're really not, or significant others, right? Right. And that's gonna get lead us into spontaneous desire 
Mm -hmm. versus responsive desire. Right. So I want to get into the difference uh, real quick of spontaneous versus responsive. And we can talk about why this is so important. Spontaneous desire is typically what we see. Ooh, she's got lingerie on. I want to go get in bed with her kind of a thing. Or ooh, he's doing the dishes. How sexy. That would be spontaneous or desire. Or let's, let's do it. Yeah, you're yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Responsive desire is more about the long form foreplay throughout the day. And sometimes it's about the person who's not in the mood, allowing themselves the opportunity to sit with their partner and have their partner put them in the mood. So we are going to have sex, but we're going to wait two hours. I'm going to give you a nice, you know, bath. I'm going to give you an hour long back rub, and then we'll start more of the sexual foreplay. So a lot of people don't understand this. And so a lot of people don't think they have a high libido when they actually do. They just have to have a different lead up to it. Right. Some people can go into it right away. And then some people, like, as you said, mm-hmm. it takes a little bit more time and effort. Effort, yeah. To get there. Right. But you got to talk about what the effort looks like right. for you guys. For you guys, it might be toys. For other people, it might not be toys. Right. And that's right? the other thing. To say to somebody, well, everybody else didn't complain about it. Well, you know... Some people are into BDSM and some aren't. So to sit there and say, well, my last girlfriend liked to be whipped. Why don't you like to be whipped? It's, you're really, it's, it's apples and oranges. We're, we're individual human beings with individual, individual decisions. Um, It was also interesting on that last part. uh, She was talking about that there is no closeness outside the bedroom. Yes. And I can definitely say my kid noticed that there was no closeness with us outside the bedroom. And that, that affects your kids. They know what a healthy marriage looks like. Or, okay, let's, okay. So I'm going to assert a Mm -hmm. child doesn't know what healthy or non-healthy is because they're growing up, whatever is being shown and mirrored to them. Okay. So they're not going to find out or know. Until they themselves start having sex and are mature enough to make that assertion. Well, right. They, they can detect that there's something not working quite right, but they're not going to have that okay. I'll, I'll maturity, say, I think, to really be like, this is not a healthy marriage. They, they can't, you know, at 11 years old, you're not right. going okay. to do that. I right? think your, your word right? detect was a good word because, but my daughter, I did notice that she was trying to get her father and I to hold hands. She was trying yes. to get us to do things together. And, you know, at some point it was just, I didn't want to do it. You know, it's, it's really hard because then that's the next stage of like the sex zombie. I go constantly at work. It's constantly on my brain, constantly on my brain, constantly on my brain. Like literally you start thinking like, do people know that I'm thinking about sex? Watching movies with romantic scenes, super uncomfortable, mm. super uncomfortable. So for Sad. me, the sex bond where I was a sex zombie was just complacent and accepting my situation, hoping it would work its way out. Right. See, and that's and what, get better. Right. Which and it mine, never did. <laughs> mine kind of turned into that because early on, I was told you know, by him, he told me that it just works better if he initiates. So I'm not allowed to initiate anymore. So to go into the situation where I'm no longer supposed to initiate and it just, it kept devolving into lower and lower situations. I mean, I thought most men wanted women that initiated sex because that's what Hollywood teaches us, but it's, it's not true. There's plenty of women that 
do want to initiate. Right. And there's plenty of men that do want their woman to initiate. All right. Now we're going to go into asexuality. Yeah. And the misconceptions surrounding it. Yep. And then intimacy. Yeah. So asexuality for me was really interesting to learn about. It's really just people that don't have a sex drive um, or they have a different type of a lower sex drive. Some are just fine cuddling. Some are fine having sex. Some are just put off by all of it. And what was interesting to me is I first started finally opening up about this phenomenon that I was going through. Straight, hetero women were like, oh, he must be gay. I'm like, I don't think he's gay. In fact, I know he's not gay. Well, then what happened was I got involved with a community of friends who are actually polyamorous. And people in the polyamorous communities, they use a lot more words to talk about the sexual spectrum. And when I said that, they're like, oh, how come you're not having sex? Well, he doesn't want to have sex. And they say, oh, is he ace? So it was really interesting that the language completely changed. It was no longer shaming. It was no longer creating this idea that I'm somebody's beard. Right. It was... That's just the way he is. Right. And here's the other thing. I want to throw this in. I'm kind of going to switch the, mm-hmm. the, the subject. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, it's COVID. Because we didn't even touch on mental illness. Right. Depression right mm-hmm. now, right? That's occurring right. all across the, the, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing. We were, I was talking with a girl from mine. She goes, oh, yeah, because I gained weight because of COVID. I went, whoa, I went, wait, you can't, you can't do that with me. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, you're not heavy. I'm not heavier because of COVID. I'm heavier because I was stuffing my mouth with shit and not working out. It's right. not because of COVID. So don't tell me your marriage broke up because of COVID. No. Because it's not because of COVID. And here I get back to you when I when I stopped you on communication. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not communicating because you're not speaking the truth. You're not communicating because you are not speaking the truth. When you can start speaking the truth and not yelling at each other, pointing the fingers, because when you're yelling and pointing your fingers at people, right? Mm-hmm. That's not a conversation. No. That's not communication. Right. So I'm trying to create this distinction for everyone in the audience to understand. You have to first get out. Are you really talking about it? Right. And well, here's the other thing is, are you being shut down? Right. I know in my that. situation, like I look back and I can see where I made a lot of mistakes in the communication. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I do know that every time I brought it up, I was shut down. I was shut down once because I said, are you happy? And what do you mean? Is this about sex? I'm like, well, partially. Well, we've never been happier was the answer I was told. So I was shut down. Right. Right. Um, another time. And of course I chose to allow it because I don't know in the moment sometimes how to attack those things. Um, as everybody can see, when I get upset, I either completely shut down or I completely pop off. Everybody was witness to me popping off a little while ago. Right. Right. Um, so then the other thing was, is I would bring it up and the comment would be, it's just sex. And then when I tried to talk about the closeness that I wanted through sex, I was told, well, can't you just use toys? It's not about using the toy. It's about the intimacy with another person. Right. Well, it's just sex, you know? And so again, what I was, oh, you mean you just want, you know, to be romantic with someone again? Well, well, yeah. Well, life isn't Hollywood. Well, I know life isn't Hollywood, but I know what my body wants. Right. And it wasn't being validated. 
So I know with your marriage, you discovered sexual incompatibility. I discovered sexual incompatibility. And when shit started hitting the fan, yeah. I was like, okay, we need to see. And I started to realize, you know what? We're an emotionally abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we're not. I'm like, huh, yes, we are. <laughs> no, we're not. I was like, how can you say that when we come from both of us? emotionally mm -hmm. abusive relationship so the awareness for him he couldn't get to the he couldn't get to even that right like we are playing because then i saw us playing out patterns of our parents mm -hmm. i was like fuck so they're like okay let's see a therapist we okay. started to see a therapist but i like therapy points out to us that when, at that point it's usually too late right and they're right, because we got a divorce. However, the interesting thing about that is when sex got brought up and we talked about it again, and it wasn't an anger. It was like, dude, I, I'm not sexually, I feel really strong mm -hmm. that we are not sexually compatible. Why didn't you get a sex therapist for us? Right. It's now what? your problem. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I look at. Like a lot of people, there's really only three choices in this type of marriage. Right. And the first choice is take sex off the table and work on yourself. So there's a lot of people in dead bedroom communities that are really healthy because that's the only way they know how to focus on themselves is they take up CrossFit, they go to the gym, whatever the deal is, right? Yeah. Uh, the next one is communicate. Again, work... a distraction. It, yeah, it, and that's all it is. About what's not really going it's on right here right It's an energy release, a different direction, right? right? Then the other one is, you know, work on fixing your relationship, you know? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. Let, cause I want our audience to understand mm -hmm. this in the fixing. We need to fix this. Right. We got to start looking at, you got to start looking and thinking in realms to fix something implies there's something wrong innately. Mm -hmm. So somewhere someone's right, someone's wrong, right? Correct. And I'm saying don't go there. How about you've gotten to a space right. and a place that doesn't work? Right. And so how can you shift right. the situation versus let's fix it? Because ultimately in the fix it attitude, right. there is there's going to be inevitably I'm right, you're wrong. Somewhere in that scenario, which is not, in my opinion, healthy. Right. And I guess I guess I came at that wrong. But like I said, you know, you can either just work on yourself. Right. Or if you have a willing partner to work on your relationship, do that. And the third one is leave. Right. And um, I chose because when I was able to, like, in my mind, I just realized this was never going to happen. Right. I took it off the table. I started looking at the other aspects of my marriage. That's the other thing. Sex zombies are so focused on sex. They don't look at the other aspects of their marriage. 90% of the time when they take sex off the table and look at their marriage, they always start the conversation with our marriage is perfect except what they discover is their marriage is falling apart. Right. And sex is just the tip of the iceberg. There's 20 other things going on. And when I looked at what was going on, I realized I I don't want to be a part of this for another 10, right. 20, 30, 40 years of my life. And see, my thing was when I divorced my ex-husband, mm -hmm. it wasn't because of se sex. It was because of other stuff, right? Right. And it wasn't because of infidelity because a lot of people are like, Alina, did you cheat? I'm like, no, I didn't do, I didn't do right. that. However, if we had stayed in the marriage 
one of us, I would say I would have been, but he might have surprised me. He could have been the one cheating. Right. Like it would have came to inevitably that right. infidelity. It and, would have. And that's true. And the interesting thing about infidelity is um, Esther Pearl, um, excuse me, Esther Pearl, she's a huge uh, sex therapist, couples therapist. She's a big voice right now around couples and infidelity, especially. And one of the things that she talks about is, you know, not, not why did it happen, but how did it make you feel? Another mm -hmm. big voice is Michelle Weiner Davis. She's got a great TED talk on sexless marriages. Right. Um, but when you start going down these and affairs happen, what's, there's a very interesting dynamic. Men will have an affair to stay in the marriage because they need to go get their need met somewhere. A woman is more likely to have an affair to use it as a reason to get out of the marriage. It becomes what's called an exit affair. So that's another thing. People don't look at this dynamic, how completely opposite it can be for men and women. Right. It's for men, an affair saves the marriage. For a woman, an affair is proof that she needs to get out. And we are going to get into that on another episode. Mm -hmm. Because there's more information about that, right? Right. So now let's start heading into what are the things that you can do to assist your your marriage mm -hmm. or relationship, knowing that you're seeing this podcast, well, shit, I might be a sex right. zombie, okay? Right. So what needs to happen? Where do I go from this point? So I would say this point is take sex off the table. It has to be off the table and you need to communicate that to your partner. I'm taking it off the table. It's not off the table forever. Then if your partner is willing, you too have to go see a sex therapist, not a relationship therapist because a or sex, you could do both at the same time. You can, time. but a sex therapist, believe it or not, has spent 10 years in relationship and right. sex counseling before they get that certification from the AASCCT. Right. So that's what's important about it because they, they can do double work where most marriage counselors don't. I'm not right. saying all, I'm just saying most. So that's the first thing. And then you've got to have timelines. Like what are, yeah. what are we trying to accomplish here? So I'm going to, to jump on that bandwagon. Right. Uh, one of the things that I saw was communication. Right. Uncovering the obstacles. Mm -hmm. Develop a new paradigm. Right. Approach sex as a playground. Mm -hmm. And prioritize it. Prioritize it, yeah. Yes. So here's the thing. For you that are out there and you're thinking, oh, God, okay, this is me. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely me. The first thing you do, you, you've got to do is literally talk to your partner. Mm -hmm. You got to figure out what's going on. A self-help book is not going to help you at this point. And you, you have, right. I was yeah, going to say, you have to understand. Yeah, you. And you have to understand if you are the person that's withholding from your partner, they are at their most vulnerable when they're about ready to have this conversation with you. It is literally the most painful thing they are going through right now. I compared myself to every woman who walked by me. I compared myself to every woman who had more than one kid. I compared myself to every woman based on the amount of money she made, the amount of volunteer work she did, the amount of friends that she had, the amount of communication, how amazing she was to try and figure out what was wrong with me. I was in a very vulnerable, broken space. Yeah. Yeah. And then I brought up, which we're going to have to talk in another episode, right. is how minority women mm -hmm. 
and men view sex and sexuality versus white women and white men. Right. Because that's a conversation within itself. And so to wrap this up, you need to see, you need to seek help. You got to seek help. And most insurances, whatever insurance you have, you got to look it up and take it upon yourself to do the work to like go out there. Right. And do the work for your marriage. If that's something you want to save your marriage. And last thing, don't put down what your partner wants. I can tell you there's nothing more detrimental than being accused of using him for masturbation. Just going to say that. And then down below, we're going to offer, I got um, Mm -hmm. from obviously the internet, best online forums Mm -hmm. that you can go to for help. If this is a starting point, we will have that all. You'll look below and you'll have that all for you. Right. But also know that you can reach out to and look to see what insurance covers it. And if not, to see what's available in your state and town, because from state to state, everything also varies. So you can't say, I don't have the money. Well, like if you're going to invest in your marriage, you got to mm-hmm. have something. Right. And there's sliding scales. So for all of you out there, you can contact me. I am a spiritual counselor. Mm -hmm. I do and can help in that arena. And then Deva, if you wanted to contact her, she can go through um, and help you through her experience, what she went through and what are the... What are the options that are there out there for you? Because she herself literally just got out of being a sex zombie. Sex zombie, yes. So we are absolutely thankful that you have come into a very fragile, very vulnerable, and very personal conversation with us today. And there's some great resources out there. We can point you in several different directions. There is many, many causes to this. So again, thank you so much for watching today, joining us. And uh, please subscribe. Please join us in our next conversation. And again, each um, episode will go deeper and delve into different because all these subjects that we're talking about have different layers to it. So we'll, we will be revisiting this actual um, issue and we love to hear your comments because the more we have, if you have more questions, the more we can go there with you on this journey. Because again, this we're all about going through this journey together so that mm-hmm. healing can occur. Yep. So drop us a line. Tell us what part of the conversation you want to hear more about. And we'll see you next time. The conversation doesn't stop here. We've got bonus footage from this episode, including... Wait a minute. I don't think black people have the same conversation that white people have on sex. I've also seen a lot of situations where like... One guy was dating this girl and I'm like, tell me about her. Well, she could use, you know, she could stand to lose 20 or 30 pounds. I've never heard a black man say that about a woman. That's my point. I've heard tons of white men say that about women. You have two parents. Right. What did you learn about sex? You're going to start looking at that together. Right. Because now there's two people together. Right. Right? Right. Two different stories about what sex is, and no one fucking talks about this before they get married! No! Check out the bonus footage playlist on YouTube, available now. Next time on Privilege with Purpose. 
today we are talking about why we are all missing the mark on racism. What I heard you say was, do black people learn or get taught from a young age to be angry? I didn't say angry though, I said no, quiet. Well, what happens if we step back and question this narrative that's been passed down to us historically because we caused, in a way, the angry black person I truly believe that racism is a tool mm -hmm. that's being used to keep us separate and divided. Oh, <laughs> deep breath, actually. <laughs>